Welcome to My Runner's Mind, where we run with gratitude towards a life of happiness and gratefulness. I'm your host, Stina Turgeon, and I believe that as runners, we're uniquely positioned to choose gratitude over negativity. Running itself is so badass, and each run offers multiple opportunities to turn a potentially negative thought or feeling into a positive one. Tune in as I'll share behind the scenes of what goes into my 12-week program, My Runner's Mind, which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and ought tos in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! Hi friends, runners. Maybe you're dreaming about becoming a runner. Maybe you ask yourself if you're really a runner. Either way, welcome to episode 97. So on today's episode, I want to talk about heart rate training. And before we get going on this, I want to make sure that I preface it by saying I'm speaking as a lay person, learning this as I'm going. But I've gotten a lot of questions on it when I post about it in my running community. So I thought I'd bring it all here and share it on the podcast. But I'm literally just diving into it myself So this will be more of an introduction to it, and I expect that more episodes will probably follow down the road. And that's a fun part of podcasting. It sort of evolves with the host and what the host is up to. And heart rate training or heart rate running is what I'm up to right now. I'll share a couple of quick facts first. According to Runner's World, the idea behind heart rate-based training is that you train your aerobic system without overstressing your skeletal and muscular systems. And understand that the whole training approach doesn't have to be a no pain, no gain, or going as hard as you possibly can. And so a heart rate-based training allows for continued improvements over time. So why focus on it? Because zone two heart rate running helps to improve performance and minimize the risk of developing stress-related injuries and overtraining. And heart rate running, you might be wondering if this is for you really because you're not a professional athlete, but heart rate running is just as much for a recreational runner as you and I as it is for a professional runner. If you've already dabbled with heart rate running, This part might be obvious, but if you're brand new to it, you might wonder, well, how do I go about figuring out my heart rate, right? So it's heart rate training is typically done using a smartwatch and a chest strap, right? The chest strap will pick up your heartbeat. I know that a lot of smartwatches already have wrist sensors, but if you read on it, you'll see that everybody says that those sensors, the wrist sensors aren't reliable. So Make sure if you want to use this type of training that you pick yourself up a chest strap. Now, unlike pace speed, which is an external metric to the body, it does not take into account how our body is rested on any given day at any given time, for instance, right? Heart rate, on the other hand, will indicate the body's effort on a given day at a given time. And so this is where, you know, your recovery comes into play and it'll kind of be an immediate feedback for you to see also if you've recovered 
between your trainings, your training runs. Now, reality is, this is what I'm learning during my research too. Reality is that most of us recreational runners run too fast for our easy runs, yet too slow for our hard runs, right? And you might be wondering, well, I don't feel I'm super fast, but more than likely, you're probably going too fast for your system, for your, and you're working outside of your ideal heart rate zone. So I want to share a great resource that I found because it's really easy to use, especially for those of us who are new to heart rate running. And especially if you don't want to rely on a smartwatch, this is really, this is a really great resource and I'll make sure to link it in the show notes, but it's by Melody from Pine Tree Running. And I'll link her info, like I said, in the show notes. According to her, there are some ways to conceptualize your zone two running without using a smartwatch. And so if you're anything like me, it can be really hard to conceptualize what too fast is like, right? I mean, the quote that reality is that most of us run too fast in our easy runs, but too slow for our hard runs. For me, it's super hard to conceptualize what too fast is like because that's how I've always run, right? And so you lose perspective of what hard feels like. To me, that feels like a typical run. I don't know how else to say it, right? So I have to admit that I've lost my sense of rate of perceived exertion from running, which is what Melody talks about, rate of perceived exertion from running and exercising in the wrong zones for too long is not beneficial. So a zone two effort based on rate of perceived exertion would fall at, a, at an exertion level of between three and four out of 10, whereas zone two, which is a step down from zone, no, a zone one, excuse me, which is a step down from zone two, would fall between a one and two exertion on the scale, right? So like I said, that might be really hard to conceptualize, right? What does that mean? What is a what is an exertion of three and four out of 10? She offers up another way to try and conceptualize this by using a conversation effort. And so that's based on how comfortably you can talk while you're running. And zone two would then be, you can talk easily, but maybe not comfortably, right? Whereas in zone one, you can talk very easily, but the next zone up, zone three, the indicator is you can talk between gasps. Right. So if you find yourself that, well, you know, from yourself when you're running and if you have to, if you're running with somebody and you have to talk that you're noticing that, well, it's kind of in between gasps. Well, that's kind of a clue right there that you're probably running in zone three, which is too fast for your easy runs, but too slow for your fast runs. Interestingly enough, there is such a big difference between zone two and zone four that I didn't realize because zone four according to Melody, is that you can maybe get one or two words out between gasps. You're, you're going pretty fast. And I'll have to admit, in hindsight now, when I think about my running, I probably am very rarely in zone four. 
but I'm probably also very rarely truly in a zone two. I'm probably always in a zone three, which is kind of, she calls it the, the black hole. <laughs> because like I said, it's just not adding to our running base. Another, a third way of trying to conceptualize this whole zone talk without using a smartwatch is that according to Melody, you can consider how long you can maintain your current speed for, right? So the speed you're at, how long do you think you can maintain it for? As an estimate in zone two, you can probably go for hours, right? Whereas in zone three, you can probably go for about 60 to 90 minutes. And in zone four, that really surprised me, you're looking at only 60 to 90 seconds. I mean, you're really going all out there and zone five is 10 to 30 seconds, right? So you can see the jump between zone two to zone three and zone three to zone four and think for yourself, where do you think you find most of your runs in? I, this really helped me conceptualize that I'm at absolutely always in a zone three type of running the majority of the time and then maybe minimally in zone two. Now, although I really like these more internal measures that Melody provided, I do like to use an actual heart rate measurement also. And so from my research and from talking to my coach that helped me last year get ready for a marathon, the most accurate way of finding your heart rate is getting a VO2 max test done in an exercise lab. Now, that's not available to most of us. I certainly didn't do it. However, another resource, Marathon Training Academy, you can get a decent estimate by using the Maffetone calculation of 180, subtract your age, which equals your upper number of zone two, right? So for me, that would mean 180, subtract my age, which is 50 in a month, that would be 130. So the number 130 on my um, watch, the, on my heart rate 130 should be where I should be at all times or below. I should not go above 130 because that equals my upper number of zone two. Now, there are some modification modifications to this number. If you've been injured recently or if you've not been injured in a long time, you can also modify by adding to this number. So I'll make sure I link this website because you wanna do your own calculation, right? And you wanna make sure that you read through those. I think there's four or five modifications depending on which group you fall into. So like I said, my number is 130. That's my upper zone two heart rate. So when I run, I want to stay at or below this number. And newsflash, and I know this sounds, I mean, when I speak it out loud, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. But what just dawned on me the other day was that that heart rate number goes for whether I'm walking between runs or running, right? So I have walked for so much of my life and I'm a pretty fast walker. And so it's very easy for me to actually be up above this number even. So it just hit me the other day that, oh, wait a second, you got to scale back walking also. It's really about getting my heart rate back down, right? <laughs> okay, so I think this was the majority of the research part of this episode because as you've come to expect from this podcast, I'll be looking at heart rate training and how it impacts us runners mentally. I'm all about the runner's mind, of course. So I want to segue into highlighting two reasons that probably have you considering whether to try heart rate training out 
for yourself. Now, I think that one of the reasons often gets a disproportionate amount of attention because I'm sure you've heard phrases such as go slow to run fast when it comes to heart rate training, right? Which implies that by training in easy zones, you will become faster. Ah, so that's why we should follow a heart rate approach, right? So that we can become faster runners. Let me just touch on something here. I find it utterly fascinating that we humans have such a need for speed in anything we do. Think about it. We always want to do things fast. We want to run faster because hmm, why? Why don't you consider why you want to run faster? So you can finish your run faster, assuming you measure it in distance, and therefore faster speed will get you through your run quicker. Is that why? Or What's your reason? What do you make it mean if you can run faster? That you're you're a better runner then? I don't know. I'm curious. But you know what? I'm going to admit, I'm guilty of it myself, right? After my first three half marathons, my next goal was a sub two hour half marathon. Now, I think it's more basic than that. I think most of us have grown up learning that any of the superlatives, you know, the faster, well, that's not a superlative, the comparatives, (laughs) you know, faster, stronger, fitter, slimmer, all of those imply better. I noticed for myself that it's just wired into my psyche that faster seems to get more positive attention which the majority of us probably crave, right? So, because think about all the posts where people say, well, I'm not a fast runner, but why do we even have to state that? So initially it seems counterintuitive to go slower to become faster. And here's where I really want to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, because for us runners then, that causes all sorts of drama in our mind won't we lose whatever speed we have currently? Those are kind of worry thoughts that might come up for us, right? And I think it's exactly these type of worry thoughts that are the big caveat to this type of training. Not to say you should avoid it, but I just want to offer these up ahead of time so you can be aware of them as you go into it or you can be onto yourself as you go into it, right? And the big caveat is that this type of training takes time. It's not a fast fix to the desired result of becoming faster. It is not a fast fix, right? It can take months to see results or half a year, right? And as I just mentioned, of course, this brings up drama for some of us runners. And I think it brings up drama for those of us who are getting into heart rate running with this singular outcome of becoming faster because we want this result fast, right? That's why we're doing it. We want the results so we can turn over another leaf and move on to another goal, right? So these might be kind of familiar thoughts for you. Like, I feel like running is only worth it when it's hard or when I slow down for my easy runs, it feels like I'm wasting my time. Those might be straight out of your head, runner friend. Just because in our mind, harder equals better, right? Can you relate? Sorry, wrong. It's wrong, right? Harder just equals harder, nothing else. And I know I'm grappling with this myself. So I totally get where you're coming from. Now, I told you there was going to be two reasons to that I wanted to talk about today that as reasons for switching to heart rate training. And the other reason for switching that in my mind seems to get a lot less attention 
at least I know for myself, it did until just very recently. But in my mind, it's so much more interesting is the reason for overall health and longevity. If you switch to zone two running, I found this really, really interesting article and I want to make, I, I really want to encourage you to read it. And I'll, of course, I'll link it in the show notes. There was an article from last year titled zone two heart rate training for longevity and performance. I just, I Googled, I don't know what search terms. And this is one of the articles that came up. It's by an MD called Howard Lux, I think. Uh, yeah, Howard Lux or Lusk. Lux, I think. Now the longevity part was what really caught my attention, right? Because lately I'd been starting to feel that, well, I, I had that feeling of being out of breath the entire day after a run, not just as I was running and maybe that first hour afterwards. It That feeling kind of stayed with me for the entire day. So I was starting to do some research around that. Back to the article. The article says that and this is somewhat of a quote. Not only will zone two heart rate training boost your performance, we already covered that, but it just might save your life. Whoa. So that obviously caught my attention right there, right? After all, as it goes on to say, your heart is just a muscle. Now this really stood out to me, especially because the article shares a story about Wendy a woman triathlete who is described as the typical harder is better athlete. In the article, it describes how Wendy goes from being at the front of the pack on group rides, group runs, clearly working in high end of zone three into zone four, probably zone three, to the back of the pack, experiencing shortness of breath. And the article lists some of the obvious more obvious signs of overtraining, which include fatigue, increased soreness, being less than enthusiastic about training, moodiness, more depressed or maybe angry, motivation lacks, and physical manifestations might be that you don't feel well, or an increased resting pulse or blood pressure, maybe weight loss, or gastrointestinal issues such as constipation. It goes on to explain that by working out too hard, too often, overtraining is a very real possibility and a difficult problem to contend with once it's present. And along with overtraining comes an increased risk of injury. Recovery from injury takes a toll both emotionally, physically, and physiologically. Now, on the other hand, some of the benefits of zone 2 heart rate training are lower resting heart rate, a decrease in blood pressure, lower risk of injury, it improves insulin resistance, it improves your ability to run cycle longer, well, run longer, any kind of sport longer, it improves your resilience and ability to deal with increasing load, and it actually improves your zone four and five function and performance. And then, and this is a big one for me, it improves longevity. So back to Wendy's story, because in the article, the author said that her tests revealed that she had a dilated heart. And another test also revealed an arrhythmia, an abnormal heart rhythm with a higher risk of death. And so caused by exercise, right? And 
the author reminds us that the heart is a muscle and that it can wear out. He says, he's really making a case for it here so that we can conceptualize the importance of getting into zone two training because he says, let's assume you have three to four billion beats in your heart before it tires out. That's one reason why people with lower heart rates live longer. The analogy is that if you drive your car less, you'll keep it longer too. And this whole thing just really woke me up to the seriousness of training smart. So if you're like me thinking, okay, I've been a Wendy and I want to change gears to zone two training. And you set out on your runs with dedication to staying within zone two, whether you use the three methods shared by Melody from Pine Tree Running or you use a smartwatch and a chest strap, you'll probably experience that every few minutes you're going to be spiking above your zone two heart rate and then you have to walk. Now remember not power walking like I was doing because the idea is to keep your heart rate within zone two while you're walking also or even drop into zone one. So you'll have to rein yourself in. And this goes on for the duration of your training, right? And what makes zone two running challenging is that most of us find it mentally challenging to stay at a slow pace for a long time. In the article that I just quoted from, it says 45 minutes should be the minimum time that you should aim for. Because until your aerobic base is better, better trained, you'll find that you have to run at a painfully slow pace. And you'll have to walk many hills. I definitely have to walk all my hills, especially, well, at least going up. I can run them down. But if you stick with it, you'll be able to achieve a faster pace, yet be able to stay in zone two. And it's better for your health. So... When I made the decision to commit to zone two training, I switched my training goals from mileage to time. Now you might have heard me mention on the show before that I was running 30 to 34 miles a week since last fall, which broke down to three five mile runs and then two longer runs on the weekends. So instead, I focus on time now. During my early morning runs before work, I give myself 50 to 60 minutes. And so if it's an out and back run, I just set my timer for 25 to 30 minutes and then I just turn around. And on the weekend, it'll be around 90 to 120 minutes. And this was about the same amount of time that I was spending when I was focused on distance rather than time. However, I've realized I will not, at least not for the time being, accrue as many miles. Now, this is when we start to panic, right? If you're training specifically for a race right now, my suggestion is that you might have to decide if now is the right time for you to switch to heart rate training. I opted to wait last year when I was training for the Big Sur Marathon because it has a time limit. So it wasn't the right time for me to focus on heart rate training. But if you currently don't have a race or if it's far enough out, and especially if you're experiencing any of the warning signs mentioned earlier, or your training feels blah, then maybe focusing on zone two training is the right thing for you. 
So let's talk a little bit about the panic thoughts and feelings that might set in. My invitation to you is not to try to run from them or ignore them. It does not make them go away. Rather, they just stay in the background and they control everything you do and how you feel. Instead, become aware of what's going on in your mind. The upside to that is that you can make the changes that you would like. Most of us react to our own thoughts in a pattern we have followed probably most of our life. Our thoughts cause us to feel something in terms of zone two training. Our thoughts might be, oh my gosh, does this even count as running? I'm so slow that I'm not burning any calories. How am I going to create my caloric deficit today if I have to stay at this snail's pace? Or whatever your thoughts are. And all this panic and frustration starts to build up inside of us, right? So our reaction to that becomes, A, we give up on zone two running because it's just not for us. Or B, we take our frustration, our anger out on people around us because we're miserable and it needs an outlet. Or maybe you notice something different for yourself, right? So where in all of this can you disrupt this pattern? I found a good place is when I notice a feeling like frustration or worry, anxiety, to become curious and ask, what do I make it mean? And I know if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me use this phrase before, but really, it's so powerful. What do I make it mean? Or why am I worried about this? Even if you feel it's obvious why you're worried, walk yourself through it. No pun intended, but literally take yourself through it. And I would say it works best on paper, but you can do it when you're out on a run, even in your mind. But for instance, it could be, well, I make it mean that I'm not burning the same amount of calories as if I run faster. And then from there, ask, well, what do you make that mean then? Well, maybe I'll start gaining weight instead of maintaining or losing weight. Okay, so what do you make that mean if you gain weight, right? See, just keep going. And you're most likely, here's reality, you're most likely going to want to get out of this work because it doesn't feel great. You sit in a feeling of panic or frustration or tenseness or anxiety, whatever it is for you. And we don't like to feel that feeling, right? We want to kind of avoid it. So then we don't actually follow through with prompts like these. Because we think, well, I want to get out of that, so I'm just going to go do something else. But if we don't actually sit with it and, you know, the, the therapy term or a coach term for it is to hold space for ourselves. If we don't do that, we often just default to an action instead, right? We just move on to something else. But then, like I said earlier, we don't actually undo that pattern. Now, if you find yourself defaulting to an action, and if you're onto yourself, you might know that you run from this feeling as in literally go for a run or maybe you snack when you feel these emotions in your body right and they might not just be coming up due to heart rate training you you know i mean we're all impacted bombarded with so many things throughout our day that can impact us like this of course you might find that you snack or maybe you scroll social media right ad nauseum <laughs> i mean oh i'm gonna check facebook again 
or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Or maybe you micromanage people around you. You know, you keep people busy with things that needs done. Or maybe it's something completely different for you, right? But just know that it's kind of an escape response that you've created because you don't want to deal with the hard stuff. Right? You don't want to find out for yourself why it's such a big deal that's not running hard is making you feel. Now, doing this work, looking at your mind, is where you can create so much growth for yourself. And it's exactly the kind of work I do with my clients because so often we're blind to thoughts when it comes to ourselves. And a coach can be the one asking questions that will help you create awareness so you can interrupt a pattern and create a new pattern through new thoughts that you choose to think instead. So when I started noticing my own panic thoughts come in when I was walking again the other day during a run, I looked at my thoughts and I got curious. My default reaction is to micromanage others or I'm probably scrolling social media too. But instead I started thinking new different thoughts, thoughts supportive to what I've decided to do, right? thought supportive to zone two training because these new thoughts help support positive feelings inside of me then I have less need for reacting and more desire to stay the course so how can you do this for yourself runner friend I want you to think about that and I would love for you to email me or dm me I'm curious what comes up for you All right, so I'm leaving you links to the references I've used and I encourage you to do your own research. And I hope this episode gets you actively thinking about heart rate training and how it could look for you. All right, if this episode resonated with you and inspired you, please share it with a runner friend. Leave a review, please. My wish for you this week is that you run happy. See you next week, runner friend. I'd like to tell you about a very special event I'm offering this summer. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel happier, more confident, and empowered while running, I invite you to join me this summer at the Running Align Body and Mind Women's Retreat right here in North Central Wyoming at the foothills of the majestic Bighorn Mountains. I'll personally work with you to help you how to take the chore out of running. The retreat will teach you that running can be a vital and enjoyable part of your life. But most importantly, the five-day in-person experience will help you connect to you. To learn more, see the link in our show notes. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world. Just one run at a time.